So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome, Ministry Hackers, to another episode of the podcast. I hope this episode finds you well. I uh, hope you are having a great week. Uh, I am so excited about this episode because I am uh, visited by one of my great friends all the way back from college. Uh, he is one of the best youth pastors that you've never heard of. Um, I've said that for years and years and years. Um, now he is serving as the next gen pastor at Praise Church in Beaumont, Texas. Everybody, welcome Pastor Jimmy Banks. What's up, Ministry Hackers? I love watching the content. I try to be the first like every morning because I want to value Brandon. So I appreciate I, that. I want you guys to try to beat me to the punch because. I'll flip that thing open. I'll go and I try to like that first post to make sure you feel valued for sure. You got to beat the East Coasters. That's true. Well, I have children that, and I, I'm up at six. So <laughs> right, right. Now you have you have all girls, right? Yeah, lady pack, girl dad. Yep. And how? What are their ages? Uh, Kate's eight, Riley's six, and Maggie's turning two next week. Oh my goodness! So all girls, man. Did you ever imagine yourself having all girls? Not at all. Not at all. And I always talk about like, there's a few moments in life where, you know, God is sovereign and he has a plan because we have no control over it. So it's like, people are like, do you want a boy? I'm like, do I want to tell God what to do? No. So he gave me girls. I'm going to make the most of it. And it would be weird for me to have a son at this point, man. I love my daughters and they've changed me. They've shaped me. They, I grew up with all brothers. Right. So it's like, I it was like this polar opposite experience. Right. Um, man favorite part of the day easily is coming home they all come running they tackle me yeah and then i'm like i gotta wash my hands i have covid you know and then and then i hug them (laughs) yeah i would imagine with three girls you're probably their hero every day right i hope so try to be (laughs) try to be a picture of a man but they don't marry no chump one day you know what i'm saying like i'm here to protect you i'm here to lead you and respect you like let's go yeah good yeah, I have three boys. They just want to beat me up all the time. So <laughs> that was basically our friendship in college was you beating me up. So <laughs> yeah, bright and early, bright and early. So just so we could go play basketball or go work out. You, I played basketball. You wrestled while bouncing a basketball. So that that is the true story, everybody. If you've ever played basketball, the brand. Yeah, I, I have to admit. <laughs> well, I play. I love football. I played football all through high school. So. It was, it just carried over. It was, well, and once I learned, once I learned how to play down low and box out, it was, I, it was my favorite part of the game. Listen, those, those Parker Duper hips, those are, <laughs> those are some nasty hips down there. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I'm so- no, you're good. <laughs> now, li- little, little known facts about me. That's, that's why I like bringing guys. That's why I like bringing guys like you, good friends that I've had for a long time who just know me way more than anybody else does so yeah so so we used to play basketball every friday in college and i would go down to jimmy's room and uh i would bang on the door and nobody we we would leave we were supposed to be at the gym at seven and i would go down at 10 till seven to give these guys enough time to sleep him and josh 
and I would bang on the door and then I would just go in and eventually I would just turn on lights and just yell at them to get up. I think I actually left you a few times because I think you didn't. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. College, I was not a morning person in college. I didn't have children in college. Right. Thank Lord. Right. Yeah, it changes. It changes, doesn't it? <laughs> so, okay, Jimmy, how, how long have you been at Praise now? Uh, so moved to Texas and people in Texas love to say, I got to Texas as fast as I could. That's all. That's what I should say. Right. Uh, I got to Texas as fast as I could, uh, seven years ago, summer of 2013. Mm -hmm. And you're originally from Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty big, uh, culture shift, isn't it? Yeah. My whole life's a culture shift. I married a girl from Los Angeles. I went to Bible college in Springfield, Missouri, grew up in state college pennsylvania and now i'm uh my i was pastoring in philadelphia which is like a city and then now i'm down here in uh southeast texas as we like to call it primarily beaumont city big money texas <laughs> and uh, you're alabama fan and my grandparents are from alabama and everybody's like you're a bandwagon alabama fan and i'm like dude listen alabama sucked my whole life like I was born in 84, like 90s, they were good. 92, they had a championship and they were terrible forever. And then the best coach ever to coach the game of college football, Nicholas James Saban, the GOAT. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> we could talk oh. about that too long. Yeah. You're, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just kind of all over the map though, is the point. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So Hopefully you, sir, what's that? I was just saying, hopefully that has well-rounded my worldview. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have any, like, I mean, you pretty much cover all corners of the country. So, you know, you don't have any like strong tie. Maybe you need some, some sort of tie here in the Midwest is what you need. Yes. Uh, thank you, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can be a Cubs fan or a Chiefs fan. There you go. Be a Chiefs fan. That's, that's what you need. It's, it's Listen, Mahomes can toss the ball. That's Mahomes, right. When he, he, he throws the ball, it is like silky milk just going through the air. And it's just like, dunk my oreos in you you know what i mean it's just i don't even know what that means at all but it's beautiful now you you kind of have a little mahomes look to you don't you oh yes sir <laughs> yes sir that's my my quarantine cut my covid cut and so I, for all of our viewers all of our viewers jimmy has a nice little patrick mahomes fade on both sides so jimmy tell us the story behind that so this is how I start my leadership videos for my leaders, uh, teams, adult leaders for the youth ministry or my staff that work for me. Um, and I just remind them, hey guys, where my hair still looks like this, we are still in quarantine. We're still in some phase of leading in a pandemic. You know, really we had gotten like, every, we were all there, right? You remember being stuck in your house four to six weeks. It's yeah. like, what do we do? And I, I'm just like a wild person. Like I need to like, you know, so I was able to go up to the church and record and do the recording for the services. And I'd get home and my wife was like, then that point that you made was amazing. Lives were changed. It was great, but your hair is fuzzy. You look weird. And I'm like, thanks, babe. I appreciate you giving it, giving it to me straight, sharpening me. And I think that happened. Like I was waiting for them to open up. And then they were like, nope, you know, hair salons are not opening up. Barbershops are not opening up. And my wife kind of was like, you got to do something. I was like, you want me to do something? So I went and got my razor or my, my clippers. I took off all the guards, zero guard, and just yeet, just like hit it the whole way around. And it was the hardest, grossest thing you've ever seen in your life. And I actually kept it like that for like a week and a half. 
And actually, I, no, I kept that. I kept that for like a month because I couldn't get it faded. At least I pay for this now. And so I, I joke and I, I opened up, I did a Sunday sermon recently and I opened it up and I was like, we need to talk about the elephant in the room, why my hair looks like this. And uh, I'm a man of my word. So just look at me. I may look like an idiot, but I'm a man of my word because I committed to having this haircut as long as we're leading through a pandemic. And so right. please, right. Lord, let, let it end. <laughs> I was going to say, so you're probably going to have that for another year or so. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people like actually getting COVID and it's really sucks, but I just want my haircut. So yeah. I want it then. <laughs> yeah. Cause what do you, so, so what's the criteria? What, what gets us out of COVID so you can have your normal hair? Well, listen, Texas, you know, if, if you're not from Texas, you need to get here as fast as possible. <laughs> but Texas is definitely like we opened up and then we closed back down, but we're definitely open back up again as far as 75% in like restaurants and stuff like that. Governor Abbott has pretty much just was like, I'm not touching the church. So from the very beginning, we were allowed to do whatever we wanted because right. we're the church. And uh, and so uh, for me, it's when I don't have to wear a mask to go to the grocery store, there's no uh, like mask requirement. Right. And when like restaurants <laughs> open up fully. So if we just get, when the mask order's over, restaurants open up fully, that's where I'm like, okay, we're officially over the over the hill and uh so nice nice well it looks good ish <laughs> okay my wife likes it that's good my wife hey, likes it that's I mean, all that matters that's all that matters <laughs> okay so we're talking about covid uh we've been in this goodness eight months now ish um what has been other than your hair what has been the biggest challenge for you in ministry with covid yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely am the type of leader that hopefully and prayerfully I approach everything with like, what's God doing in me through this rather than what are the outcomes of this? Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of approach that at all times. And so really for me as a leader, it was, um, what is this revealing about what we you know, there's one thing to say what you value, right? It's like, we say, here are our, our values. You right. know what I mean? Like we value responses to Jesus. Um, we value deep, meaningful relationships. We have this because of Jesus, we're family kind of value statement because of Jesus response to Jesus. We are family. It's John one twelve. It's the whole thing. Anyway. So we say we like value this stuff. We say we value um, all that, but then it's like also how you act is actually a true revelation of what you actually value. And so it's like, I think for me, one of the biggest curveballs for me is um, what were the systems and what were the strategies and what were what were the things that I was actually valuing? What were in the way that I was leading? And so I would say the number one thing I learned was um, when like our youth ministry, the way that we're built, um, very from the very beginning in 2013, it was 30 teenagers, but we had 11 leaders. And I kind of was just like, hey, guys, um, a value of mine is I'm not a youth pastor that does youth ministry. I'm a youth pastor that helps youth do ministry um, and help you do ministry. Ephesians 4.12, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So I am very gifted and I will have this youth group from 30. I'll have us to 80 to 100 within six months, which would be bigger than anything they've ever experienced in the last five years. And they're like, who is this guy? Super prideful. I was doing it on purpose because I was like, but then that's all that will ever be. That'll, that'll be it. I mean, we'll, and if we're happy of 80 to 100 teenagers, I can do that in six to eight months 
due to just whatever, it's the Jimmy Banks show. But if I actually make it about you 11 leaders and you all focus on like five to 10 and I equip you to be their pastors, you to be their, you know, I'm just like a missionary rolling in from Philadelphia to this weird land of Texas and stuff, you know? Anyway, so all that being said, like the value for me is equipping small group leaders to do the ministry and right. equipping teenagers to do ministry as well. And that's where we were in 2013. And that and it's always been my job. If I want 150 youth, I need to have 15 leaders. Right. Why would God give me 150 youth if I only have five leaders? That's right. not me being faithful. That's not me um, being excellent. So that's kind of always always operated. And so it's like before COVID, we had um, you know just. I mean, do you want me to share numbers? Or you want me to keep that to the side? That's up to you if you're comfortable with it. Well, I, I just it's for the leadership side of things. It's yep. like before well, it COVID, context. it gives context. Yeah, it gives context. So we had 45 leaders, and we were averaging between 375 and 425 on a, every single Wednesday night. Um, and the way that it's built is supposed to be, you know, uh, like a hour service and 30 minutes of small groups on location. And they just be in offices and our churches, they love the, they love next gen ministries and they believe in us. And so we're in the lead pastor's office. We're in the executive pastor's office doing a small group, one, uh, one or two adults with, um, their 10th grade boys or whatever. So I tell you all that for the context to say what I realized in the middle of all that was I was preaching too long because for every minute I went over my preach clock was a minute I was stealing from small groups. Right. So if I, if I was supposed to preach 30 and I was preaching 40, I just took 10 minutes from small groups. Right. And I'm sitting here saying, it's not the Jimmy Banks show. Right. It's how do I equip you to do ministry? And so that's the biggest thing that I learned. And literally, so we actually just came back on site tonight is like our first time back on site nice. with the whole youth ministry we, we we tried to do a conference um we did that it was great in the middle of it all but tonight is our first night back we have like a like a fresh ministry model we're not going back to normal mm -hmm. um we're going forward to normal there's a uh and that's kind of like what have we learned through this and i looked at my leaders and i apologized and i said my value was to make sure that you, i equip you to be the, the small group leaders then to equip youth to be leaders as well but I wasn't living that out. I was preaching too long. I was getting back up after worship and extending the worship. And those are all good things, but they weren't reflective of our values. Right. So I committed to them. And I said, look, I'm shifting it up. We're changing this thing. So once a month, we'll, we'll do a United night. Let's get junior high and high school together and give me a 40 minute preach clock. Mm -hmm. uh, let, me, let me get after it. Let's add an extra worship song and let's put a food truck out there and let's have a pre-service post-service party. And let's, that's what we're doing tonight for our United night. That'll be followed by three regular Praise Youth Nights, that's what we call it, Praise Youth, um, which is a 20-minute sermon and only three worship songs that gives them 10 minutes to leave the service and then 40 minutes to be in a small group. Mm. And that's what I committed to them. It's like, I want to get back to my value. I've always said it, but I wasn't living it. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but that's where I looked at it. And I had to be like, do the values that I've put out there as our cultural values line up with what we were living? Right. we weren't we were we were a youth ministry that was big it was great it was amazing god is moving salvations were happening but we were getting uh wider than we were deep mm -hmm. and i and i think god's grace god's love towards us is to say we are going to try to manage that better and continue as we grow wider to keep growing deeper and so and we've really seen that that's how you know we shifted in the middle of all covid we do watch parties so we do a recorded live event and then we just, Texas has allowed us to do this. We'll have 
each small group is just in the home and they watch the YouTube live stream. Um, and so we have 19 watch parties. We had uh, somewhere between 225 and probably 275 okay. um, in the watch parties. Those are teenage numbers that you can add in the, the leaders. Right. And you talk about growing deep as a ministry because the only reason to go to those things is to grow deeper. You're not the typical right. youth ministry stuff of like showing up for the girls and showing up for the fun, showing up for the classic Texas Bible believing, you know, I'm going for the status or whatever. And so right. I'm really excited about how God has grown me as a leader, but how God has like given us the depth that we were praying for. And he, he allowed us to go through this in that way. So that's how we've, that's how we've grown personally. Good. That's, you know, and that's so, I, I think that all of us in the midst of all this, hopefully are all really processing through how we, how we're doing things. I, I actually wrote it down when you said it, um, cause you, you know, you said you're going forward into normal. And so I wrote down, if you go back to normal after all this, then you really haven't learned anything. And I think that that's really what you're getting at is that you've, you had really the space probably to pull back and review everything that you're doing and kind of realigning, you know, what you're doing with the values that you said at the very beginning. And so, you know, one of the things I've, I've appreciated about you over the years, Jimmy, is just, you've always had this, uh, just a, a humble approach to ministry, a humble approach to leadership. So when you make, you know, when you're making these adjustments and you're coming to this realization, what is it that um, maybe what was the hard truth that you had to maybe face in yourself as you were kind of figuring that out, as you're backing down your preaching time and all of those things, like, was there something that you had to navigate for you and say, okay, this is maybe where the, the job overtook, you know, my values, or this is where the ministry kind of overran where I was, you know, is there anything there? Yeah, it's a phenomenal question because, I mean, you were with me in Bible college. We're believing that God's going to use us to change the world. You know what I mean? And like, you know, we look at it and we say, you know, then I'm in ministry, right? And I get my first job and I'm trying to prove myself and I'm trying to, I'm trying to say, you know, I am gifted and I am equipped and, and I got fired from my first youth pastor job, right? Um, and it literally was a pride issue for me. It was a... Um, it was, I built a ministry that looked nothing like the vision of the church. Mm. And so I didn't get like fired because I was out, you know, killing people or something. <laughs> I got fired because I just was building something that wasn't the vision of the house. And, 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 and that's how God has grown me through that. And it, all, for me to kind of fast forward to where I'm at right now is my initial answer to that is, is you're dreaming about God doing big things with your life and the the goal becomes like it's not like it's out in front like i don't think it's out in front i think it's layers of sanctification it's layers of god growing you as a human being um and becoming more like he created you to be is i came to the realization is like i was chasing success not faithfulness right um and those are two wildly different things because if you chase success i it just it is what it is and i hope that's part of my story um like I took a youth group from 30, literally 33, the first night that I was here in some jank upstairs room that was so <laughs> sketch. And if you watch our YouTube channel now, it's just like, it's, it's amazing how blessed we are. But like, when you get to the 400 teenagers and it's wild, it's unprecedented, God's moving. 
and it's sustained growth. Like this thing's just grown over the years. It's sustained growth. It's not like we had 400 once. It's like we had 400 for the entire last school year from August to um, August to COVID. So you get there and you're like, that success doesn't, d- doesn't have the, the payoff, right? It doesn't have the payoff. It, and, and we preach that stuff all the time, right? It's, yep. But like, there's a ministry version of that that I had to learn. And so I think a huge thing for me was when we're not in the room with 400 teenagers, when we're not in the thing, doing the big thing, right. do I feel less valuable? Right. Do, I, do I feel less successful? And then it kind of helped redefine success um, is not the big numbers, it's faithfulness, right? So, and that's what we all know is like, just be faithful with the grace that's been given to you, right? The, 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 the calling that God has placed on your life, be faithful with that. Um, and, and that's where you find the fulfillment because there is no fulfillment in success in big numbers. It ain't there. It just gets infinitely harder to lead the dang thing, right? That just right. is what it is. You'd be like, well, I would love to have those problems. Well, well, those problems are tough, right? right? But that's not the point. The point is the fulfillment comes in faithfulness. It doesn't come in success. And so, and I, and I actually, uh, I said this the other day, it was such a great statement. And I'm like, that was the Holy Spirit. That was not me. <laughs> is um, success isn't a fruit of the spirit. Hmm. Faithfulness is. Yep. And so it's like, oh, that's what's up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> now it's just faithfulness, right? And if faithfulness yeah. means God believes in me to lead this thing, then I'm going to lean on the Holy Spirit's power. I'm going to lean on, on that. And so I think for me, it was like uh, checking my pride again. Um, and to, it wasn't in the forefront this time where it was early on in ministry. Mm-hmm. The whole goal was that, um, but it was still there. And to know that like um, that faithfulness, that's where you get the fulfillment because you're just doing what God's called you to do. And you're right. being obedient to that. And you're listening to that voice instead of the, let's just grow this thing and be successful and that right. sort of thing. Yeah, that's good. I actually pulled a quote. So I have these little coasters on my, uh, on my desk. And one of them is from Abraham Lincoln. It's got a quote on it. it says, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. And I think that for all of us in ministry, you know, we don't go into it with this idea that, you know, we want to build our own kingdom or, you know, obviously we want to do well. We want to make an impact. We want to advance God's kingdom, all those things. But I think that the challenge is, is that when we see success in ministry and when we see God, when we see all of these things, it fills our, you know, it fills our pride a little bit and, and not in a bad way, but because we've applied ourselves, we've worked hard and God's blessing it. I think the challenge is over time, we start to think, oh, this is something that I've done rather than this is something that God is doing. And I like what you're saying is, you know, if we can stay focused on the idea of just staying in step with him, we follow God step by step, being faithful to what he's called us to do. The success will come. If we chase the success, well, then we might find success, but we lose that connection with God and we lose that relationship. And honestly, in some level, I'm a, I, I would be afraid. And I've been concerned at times that I would lose my ministry because God would move from me. And now it just becomes a job that I'm good at, not a calling that I'm following. And so hmm. they're just good. good. I love that. Um, okay. That wisdom is that wisdom is straight on because through the spirit, Galatians 5, 22, right? All of Galatians 5 talks about staying in step with the spirit, living by the spirit, um, being led by the spirit. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you want the fruit of the spirit, you need to be led by the spirit. So yeah. it's like, um, or I would say filled by the spirit. 
build in this manner of not just trying to get like whatever, but like I'm saying, I'm going to fill my life with the spirit yeah. of God, staying and living by and just kind of stay in that place and saying, my, my goal is, is fruitfulness. My yep. goal is, you know, that's good stuff. I'm just saying, I want to be like, mm, go, <laughs> go brain. I'm waving my hanky on the other side of the screen. Let's go. Nice. <laughs> okay. So now you're not just the youth pastor though. Like I said at the beginning, you're the next gen pastor. And so unpack that a little bit. Cause you know, when you, when you came, you were hired to be the next gen pastor, but you had a youth group of, of 33. So talk to us a little bit about how over the last seven years, that next gen pastor position has developed and what does it look like today for you? Yeah. Um, whew, okay. Uh, let's go seven hours of answers right here. Um, and really, it was awesome. My, our, my lead pastor is su such, I, I love him to death. He's such a man of God. Um, and he's more authentic off the stage than, than could possibly be on the stage, which is, um, it's just been incredible. And, and his vision was, um, we can't abandon the next generation of our church, right? If, if the best investment we can do as a church, this is what he would say, is to invest in the next generation because that is a long-term investment right. so they really have just like set me up for success so originally it was him believing in me and saying look you're a youth pastor we get that but like what we see in the interview process was you just talked about raising up leaders the whole time and that's that is my mo it's equip the saints for the work of the ministry yep. um so that is my mo so it's like he's like i think i want you to do this next gen thing and he didn't necessarily have to have a definition for it other than to say I believe in you. I believe in you to say, how do we have a comprehensive approach from birth to graduation of high school? Mm -hmm. Say, if someone grows up in our church, um, who do we want them to be? Like, how do we want them to operate type stuff? And how do we equip families, all this sort of stuff? So it really was like, do the youth ministry thing. I know you're good at that, but like help us with kids ministry and help it be comprehensive or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we had a kids pastor at that time. Um, and so, I mean, that's, really kind of how it started. And I was like, bro, I know nothing about kids ministry. I had like, had just had my first kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, ah, what do you do with this thing? And uh, so it's just been a growth process um, over the years, just the the grace to grow, the, the to, to continue to do it better, not be perfect right. has been an amazing process. And the biggest things that I've learned is um, know what you're trying to build as far as like for me it was like the values and the culture and the vision of the whole thing mm -hmm. and then hire someone who carries those values those cultures and those visions right because they're then going to be the expert in kids ministry they're then going to be the expert and i just i got to keep them on vision as a next gen pastor so we did a lot of good stuff in the middle of all of that where i'm at now is we have a, a kids pastor and a kids director um we have, I also have uh, another youth pastor that works with me, a junior high pastor. I hold the high school pastor title. And then I have a youth director as well. And then we have a young adult pastor. So in the middle of all of this, they were like, kids is killing it. Youth is killing it. It was like 2016. We're like three years into this thing. And they're like, start a young adult ministry too. And I'm like, the youth ministry just hit like 200. And you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know how to lead this thing. And the kids ministry, I don't have to do kids ministry. And they're like, start the youth, the young adult thing. And I'm like, okay, cool, let's go. And, and, and I kind of tackled that whole thing. And it's just, but now, now where I'm at now is I get to lead a team of pastors um, and directors and, um, and, and just kind of go after it from there. And it's, 
it's been amazing because when uh, like our kids pastors, our kids pastor and director, our team with their team, right? So they, you know, the values are the same. Like you need to be raising up leaders. You need to be raising up leaders. They literally in our kids ministry department, this is a them thing. This is like the expression of that multi-layered thing. The fourth and fifth graders are running the kids ministry, the elementary kids ministry. They do all the sound. They are up on doing their worship leading, which is like, you know, it's kids ministry, right? So they play the song. There's really no instruments and they kind of dance, but they sing, they do it. You know what I mean? They co-host. So like even the Sunday, like this guy, Todd is a good friend of mine. Uh, he was hosting, but his daughter who's in fourth grade was hosting with him. Nice. Kind of, and it's like, you see the stuff and it's so good. And, and the young adult ministry does the kind of, you know, they're, you know, they have a bunch of small groups now and they're running small group ministry. It's just amazing to see like, so really that whole journey has been so interesting because I do love the, the two things that I love about that journey for me is let's have a plan for the future of our church and let's invest in it. And the best way to do that is to invest in the next generation. Um, and that was huge. Um, and then let's, and then the second thing was, is how do we make sure a kid grows up in our church? Right. But so when they leave the kids ministry and go to the youth ministry, they're not two different styles of ministry. There's a comprehensive approach there to say, this is just an older version specifically focused for a junior hire of the kids ministry. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to high school, same thing from junior high to high school, same thing. Cause the next gen pastor, we're all working together as a team. And then you get the young adults and it's the same thing. Like you go from graduation of high school and we, and it's amazing to see like their last youth group, our young adult pastor and a couple of the young adult small group leaders, they throw an after party after the last youth group for our seniors. Nice. And they immediately get plugged into a small group in our young adult ministry to when it's like, and it's just a, it's an older version. It's like, Hey, let's act like adults more. And we're going to have one service a month and small groups in the homes and, and, and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, we have this comprehensive approach to all that sort of stuff. And then when they hit for us, it's 24 to 25, that range, when they hit 24 to 25, then they are ready to step into being an active member of our church. Nice. Um, so it's been fun to do. Um, but those are the, probably the two biggest things is invest in the next generation and have a comprehensive plan to have someone grow up in your church um, and not have, like if you're trying to cross a river and you need to step on the stones to get to the other side, right? you're missing a few stones, you're going to fall off and drift away. Right. got to make sure you have those stones. It's kind of the analogy we use is, are the steps there in place to where they can get from childhood to being an adult and to grow up in our church. Now, because in the churches you were in before, I'm assuming you didn't have that, you know, that comprehensive process all the way through, right? Not at all. Yeah. So what do you feel like is, you know, so let's say, you know, one of somebody listening or watching today, you know, they're in an environment like that, um, where, you know, they're the youth pastor, they're the kids pastor, they're disconnected with any other steps or processes. What do you think is maybe, what are the steps maybe they could do now or to try and influence moving in that direction? Yeah. Um, or is that- I try, try to answer as broad as possible. Say it again. Is that, is that something every church can do? Here's what I'll say. Every church has a kid's ministry, mm -hmm. right? Every, most churches have youth ministries in some form or fashion. I would say the first step is to get those teams together and meet at least once a month and say, and, and that be, and the target question is how do we make sure 
there's kids, it's a comprehensive approach. Like let's work together as a team. How do we make sure um, we're serving you, you're serving us, this kind of, this mindset start there would, would probably be, because you know, this is where we started. It was just kids and youth. And then it grew into the, grew into the young adults thing. So I'll just say whoever's leading those ministries, that needs to be like, hey, there's a next gen meeting and they need to start having conversations about what does it look like? Um, these transitions are huge. Um, but then also it's not just a simple one and done transition. That transition starts in fourth grade. We're already prepping them for sixth grade. We're trying to say, it's not all gonna happen at once. So, so anyway, that'll be my thing is to say, get the teams together and start talking. Cause, and, and basically we're one big team here. And uh, from a next gen perspective, what are you guys doing? How do we come together? And how do we, how do we smooth out that transition? Or how do we begin thinking about that now? Right. How many youth are serving in the kids ministry? You know, uh, are you, uh, all that sort of stuff. So. Cause do you, I'm assuming that you see a higher retention rate through the process, correct? Oh yeah. Uh, do you listen? I can't even, I, it's hard to explain, I guess, but I, I'm, it's like, yeah, huge, huge. Yes, please. Yes. I, again, the answer is yes. And I'm, I'm trying to like quantify what story to tell, but like, just the reality is, is like our sixth grade class comes in from kids ministry and um, because kids has done such a good job with them, they finished that season. Well, we've championed the next season. And then it's like, oh, because I always used to look at it of being like, we just lost our our senior class, you know, whatever. So we just lost 50 to 60 seniors. Yep. But then on the other side, you start looking at it and being like, we just got gifted 50 sixth graders. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, yeah, huge retention rate. And I'm assuming that even that, so like, even if you look at your senior class today, as opposed to your senior class four years ago. I'm assuming that your attention rate is higher and probably maybe to a certain extent, the spiritual depth quality of those seniors is more so. Would you say so? Yeah, for sure. And I, I was, you know. And that's a weird question to ask. I get that. Yeah. And I would just say it's, it takes a while to get there, right? I've been here seven years and, and I just now I'm to the point to where there was a good three, there's a good three years there to where like, I was like, preaching on Tuesdays, preaching on Wednesday, preaching on Tuesdays to young adults, preaching on Wednesdays to teenagers. And, and, and there's a transition period there that was hard from a staffing standpoint, but you know, I, I just truly believed in that. And so, and the beautiful thing is, is they come in culture ready. They come in value ready. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not having to train all these people. on like, Hey, sixth graders, uh, you are the church. I believe in youth, right? I believe in you. Like you can run this thing. You want to, you want to greet at the door. Like, this, you know what I mean? Cause like a typical kids ministry, I say typical, whatever the kids ministries I've always been a part of was just kind of like, they sit there and they listen and it's like, be good. Don't talk. But like, no, fourth and fifth grade, they're being, they're serving. So they now come into sixth grade and they're like, where can I serve? And I'm like, this is, this is incredible. Cause the value gets pushed from one to the other. And then hopefully my seniors go into the young adult ministry and they're like, we don't go to small group. We are a small group. So I can't wait to hop in a new small group act a little bit more mature you know what I mean and and where can I serve where can I small group how can I how can I be on a team and stuff like that so that's the like I all that time that I had to be like okay welcome and now I got to build you up into the culture and the vision of this thing we've spread that out amongst all of it and it's like they come in culture ready um and and, and that's they can go I think it's an Andy Stanley thing they can go further faster type stuff to where it's truly true like 
we, you can speed up some of those ancillary things. And it's like, you can start focusing on the right things and their spiritual growth. and spiritual. Right. Which again, just long-term leads into a stronger, healthier uh, congregation, uh, you know, stronger, healthier, you know, adults in the congregation. And so, um, okay. So one of the things that I love is how you do your content. So on your, you know, when we're talking about, um, your preaching calendar, you know, right now we're in October. And so, you know, one of the things I've been hitting is, is your preaching calendar. Like, are you preparing your preaching calendar for 2021, but you have kind of a system already in place for you that helps you navigate what you're going to preach to your students. Um, each week. So kind of talk to us a little bit about that and unpack it. Yes. <laughs> My least favorite part of ministry, least favorite part was this hanging weight this hanging burden of what am i preaching next where am i going and the other side of that was when i knew where i was going and i was in the middle of a series oh there's so much life in that you know what i mean like i know i'm doing a you know eight, eight week series on the fruit of the spirit uh you know what i mean like and i'm gonna knock each fruit of the spirit out each week you know what i mean or i guess it would be nine weeks because there's nine of them but uh <laughs> and uh you know and so I, I looked at that and I was like, I hate that feeling. So let me lead through it. You know what I mean? And right. again, my lead pastor was wise enough to say, and he would use the phrase irreducible minimums of saying, if they hit 18, what do they have to know? Like right. to be, you know, it's like a mix of orthodoxy, catechism type stuff of like, what do they got to know? Because mm -hmm. you don't want to get stuck on the, you know, doing some other stuff that's like, well, that was good, but that probably wasn't necessary for them in their growth. So we looked at two things. We looked at where they're at in their development stage, kind of, you know, use some of the classical education stuff there and was just like, you know, in junior high, they're in logic. That's called the logic stage, which right. is like they're taking what's been downloaded, you know, uh, from their earlier stages. Um, and they're starting to ask the logical questions and they're kind of in that space. And then high school, they're kind of in the, what's called the rhetoric stage, which is right. like they need to talk it out more. They need to take what they've been you know the questions they've been answering they need to talk it out type stuff so we kind of looked at where their development stage is we brought in like uh an apologist from stand to reason um there's like a group in california and we said okay what are the irreducible minimums let's sit in a conference room and let's knock this out for two days and just ask the questions like what do we want to teach right basically right. what ended up happening was is i have a uh a two-page document that is literally lists um with the irreducible minimums and so what i then do is say i'm only ever going to preach from this and i'm not preaching anything else mm -hmm. so this this weight of figuring out what to preach next is gone because now i'm looking at it and being like i've already decided what i'm going to preach i can put fresh packaging on it i can put like a fresh look on it to where it's like if i'm doing a series on biblical worldview the one time i called it restoration and um talking about how god makes all things new right from creation to uh restoration it's kind of this like whatever and it's like you know it's a worldview series we called it restoration but it was all based on you know how they see the world but then i did another then that was the first time i preached it i think we did that in like 2014 then i look at like okay what haven't i preached where how long has it been since i've done a series on worldview i'm like and it's been since 2014 since i did a series on worldview so it's like 2018 and i'm like uh, okay, I need to do a series on, you know, that. so my calendar planning is studying my irreducible minimums document mm -hmm. and saying, do it and just having it like, when did I preach this? How did I preach it? 
and then looking at, okay, what is the cycle of the season? And, you know, you know, little things like when we start in August, let's do something that's very evangelical based, uh, right. evangelical, evangelistic. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Those are very similar. Uh, you know, like, cause it's, it's kind of ramp this thing up. And, but by the time, you know, by the time like January comes around, like do something more like spiritual discipline focused. And so right. it's like, you know, doing a series about the Bible um, and just God's word and like why we need to be in God's word and stuff like that because it's January. People are looking for like new things and disciplines to work on. So right. it's kind of a mixture of all that. But for me, the best thing was when I had that document and it, it's a, not to say that it's like, it's not the 10 commandments, obviously like written in stone, <laughs> right. but it is pretty much just like once a year, I'll look at it and be like, what am I missing? Mm -hmm. And I might add to it or I might take away as I've learned and I've grown because obviously, you know, we're falling, we're falling, God, you know, whatever. Uh, so there's room to grow. Yeah. But there's, there's also like this, the weight got lifted off my shoulders and it's like, man. And so I'm looking at it and we're looking at, okay, okay it's just a four week series, a five week series. And how do we keep preaching those irreducible minimums? Right. And basically, so we've learned over the years, it takes about three to four years to fully go through all of the things. Mm -hmm. um, and then you just go back at it, go back through it. And so I'm on my second round through all of the things, which is now great because I have like full sermons that I've like preached and then I can add in all the stuff I've learned. And it's just, it's just, and then hopefully my sermon is standing on the shoulders of my last sermon. Right. And then the next time I do it, it'll stand on that. And then well, that whole you package. You don't really have to do the research again. Like you might research a little angle of it, but the core research of the content is already done. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just, all I gotta do is do, and I could, I can just, and I can, you know, and obviously it's more well-rounded. You understand the teenager a little bit more, the more you've been in it. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's the whole goal there. And, and the, the hope and the prayers is one day I won't always be in this position. All of that gets handed to the next um, right. youth pastor right. um, and junior high pastor. And they're able to, to utilize all of that research, all of that information and uh, just take it and make it, excellent further faster right well because one of the things that i one of the things that's true about youth ministry is it's constant it's constantly moving it's fast-paced there's a million things you know all these moving parts all these students need lots of attention like it's just a lot and so to throw on developing a sermon every week in my experience as a youth pastor as well as you know with youth pastors that i've worked with usually the sermon takes a back seat to all the busy work that needs to be done and so what I love about what you're talking about with the irreducible minimums is it, it creates that base that, like you said, constantly grows every, every time you do it, um, that just enhances the sermon experience without adding a ton of work on the youth pastor. And also, you know, we look at over history, one of the things where we're dealing with that's come out a lot with the COVID is um, biblical illiteracy. We just have this rampant biblical illiteracy in the church. And a lot of it's because we've, re, we've eliminated Sunday school and we've eliminated, you know, in some ways, you know, we've eliminated expository preaching on Sunday mornings. Like we've just, we've kind of taken some things out of the process that somebody has when they're coming through, you know, kids ministry and youth ministry into adult ministry. And so what I like about what you're talking about is it takes a lot of that and it puts it back in um, because I'm not preaching, you know, although it, there's benefit in preaching obscure uh, text in a youth group, 
that's probably not what they absolutely need to have in that four-year window that you have them. And so it allows you to focus in on what do they need to know before they graduate here? Because assuming that you do your job well and they stay in the church in their adult years, that's where they get all the random, you know, texts from, from scripture and all of that, hopefully, um, you know, from, from the lead pastor. So, so I just like that. I like, I like the value of having, you know, a document that kind of guides that makes it simpler, helps student pastors to, um, you know, to just have something to lean on. Um, and like you said, you can always listen to God's movement and, you know, whatever he lays upon your heart, you adjust, but at least gives you a, a baseline to work with. So, okay. So as we wrap up, Jimmy, what is, uh, what is a ministry hack that you would leave with our community that maybe it's something that you've learned that has just changed ministry for you, or maybe it's something you, you know, you figured out along the way that has, you know, made things super simple or whatever. What's a ministry hack that you would leave uh, for our community today? Whew. Okay. Uh, can you, know, can you break it into just one? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. And it'll be, it'll be multifaceted. How about that? They all kind of work into each other. I can go on. I would say for sure, um, the idea of speaking life and placing value on people um, is a ministry hack that works across every ministry. And I believe this is where I'm at, and which, which I've also enjoyed in this in this uh, interview, this conversation. Um, that you, I believe that you've done this, and I think that's a good example of of what it, what it means to speak life and place value. Is I believe that we think valuable thoughts about other people. I believe theologically we believe that people are valuable, but we don't speak it enough. Right, and and, and to not use the powerful weapon that is your tongue, right? The the life and death are in the power of the tongue and we can sweat and we can, we can preach that all day long. But if, if, if it is not at the top of your to-do list, right. Say, how am I going out of my way today to speak life into somebody? So that becomes a part of your nature. That becomes second nature to you to say, like in every conversation and everything and to look at it and say, this is how you, this is how you're valuable. And, and, and and it's a process. You got to get better at it. But like, I promise you that is a, there's a hack in the tool that like, it's just speaking life and placing value is saying like, not only Holy Spirit brings something to my mind so that I can speak life. So I'm not just like, Hey, Brandon, I love your big hips when you box me out in basketball. Like, okay, thanks, I guess. <laughs> but it's like something that is prophetic, something that is, oh, I said, hold on, borderline prophetic. I don't know how you're hearing this audience, but it, it's, it, our words shape people. Right. And, and I think we forget that too much. Right. And, and I think we'll believe it when we're on the stage preaching. Our words shape people, but our words are so powerful. Yeah. It's not a ministry act. It's, just this, it's the true nature of like with telling someone you believe in them, telling somebody you, they're valuable, telling somebody they have meaning and worth to you, telling somebody like when, whether it's my staff, I work with them all the time. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, dude, I like, we need to repick teams around here because we're loaded. You know what I mean? Like, I love working with you. I could hang out with you. Like, and just like, or, or like seeing something and, and speaking that out. And so I can give a million different, uh, a, a million different 
examples of that. And I think we all know, like, don't do service level stuff, do character stuff, do yeah. light, uh, spiritual formation uh, shaping stuff. Um, but I think that is a tool that if used well, um, you see so much return on that the power of life and death are in the tongue um, and, and stuff like that. So I just think it's something that we need to get out of the back. We need to get out of back here and we need to bring it to the front. You know what I mean? Like we need to bring it out here and say, oh yeah, yeah, we speak life around here. Do you? You know what I mean? It goes back to the value. Like I have a value of speaking life, but if I'm if I do an honest audit of my life, how much life am I actually speaking? Yeah. Um, and 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 actually saying that to the people around you all the time, and and looking at that and saying, how have I spoken life today? And so that's that's my journey. I started there and saying, every day, number one on my to do list speak life and place value into somebody today. And by the end of my day, it's like five o'clock and I'm about to leave and I got to get home. I got to make dinner. I put something in the smoker. My brisket's coming out because I'm in Texas. You got to get to Texas as fast as you can, guys. But uh, I'm, And if I haven't spoken life into somebody, I'm like, God, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I got to go do that. And so when I ask a teenager to volunteer, it's, it's always partnered with, I believe in you, man. Like when I preach a sermon and I'm like, Hey, look, I spent nine hours studying this thing because I love you and I believe in you. I believe that in the next 25 minutes, you know, you know, these random teenagers on a Wednesday night in Southeast Texas, I believe that you can hear the word of God and be open and willing to listen. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like, when's the last time we opened a sermon like that? Open a sermon like that. It's like, I believe in you guys. Like, I believe in you so much that I spent the last week studying. And I'm up here serving you right now. And I believe that that you can you can you can ask the Holy Spirit to change your life. You know what I mean? Like I believe in my audience and I believe in you guys. And so uh, apply that to your staff, to your sermons, to your life, to your conversations. Apply it to your wife. You know what I mean? Like right. apply it in your relationship, in your yeah. marriage. You know what I mean? It's more than I love you. It's just like speak life into her, speak life into your kids, mm -hmm. um, shape and mold them. So that's my ministry hack, man. Is so good there. So good. Well, and I think, honestly, as pastors, I think that what you just said is the closest thing to true ministry than what any of us do. You know, outside of services, outside of preaching, outside of managing the organizational structure of our churches, speaking life into people is the number one, the closest thing uh, to true ministry that I think, you know, we can do. And so, so I love that. And, you know, everybody needs that, you know, when you look at the stats across the board, you know, people struggle with confidence. People struggle with self-worth. People struggle with depression and suicide is rampant. You know, all of these things are, are staples of our, you know, of our culture. And unfortunately, you know, if more pastors and more people in general would just speak truth and speak love and speak life into people's lives, I wonder how much that would shift you know, would people really struggle with the, this, the issues that they're having today, if they had someone consistently speaking life into them. So, so I love it, Jimmy, this has been fun. It's been great as always. Uh, it's always fun to just hang out and talk with you. Um, you make me smile. <laughs> and so, um, so thank you so much for being here, Jimmy. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for uh, joining us in this episode. Um, thank you for hanging out and just learning. Um, and, uh, I just hope that Jimmy's words of encouragement and life and ministry and hacks and everything else is just encouraging for you and makes a difference in your day. Um, I will see you in the next episode.